It's time. Time to musk up. First developers develop. That doesn't make sense. Well, you know anything about computers? We must be cautious. James and Chris. The keyboard cowboy. Welcome to Salted Bites. Salted Bites. <laughs> With James and Chris and some other guys. Not salted bites. A tech podcast and that's no surprise. Well, you have actually, you have fully uh, spec'd out the lyrics and everything. James, I wrote you a song. Come on, this is what I do all day when I should be with. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. And you haven't found anybody to do it. No, yeah. Well, Fiverr is, I mean, God's gift to humanity, but there isn't, I haven't quite yet found the right person. Okay. Yeah. Sadly, sadly, no one is, is, is bold or brave or indeed decent enough to step up to the plate and give us the cover that we deserve as the intro to our podcast, James. But, but you can do it for time being. Well, obviously. Nice. Hey, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> this Hello. Is episode seven. It is. We're almost in double figures. Come on. Steady on. Do you like the internal names I've given to our episodes, by the way? I do. I do. So episode six being, these are all Star Wars themes, so episode six was Rebase of the Jedi, which was okay. It was a bit weak. This one, though, episode seven, <laughs> Force Awakens. Jeez, Pretty I'm good. so happy with myself when I came up with that. I, uh, episode eight, though. Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is gold. <laughs> so they the last head eye <laughs> minus eye. Git, so good. Yeah, Gitfu. Uh, me just uh, showing off my Git prowess there, all casual like. Very nice. I say I like, like it. I fucked up a Git branch royally last week. I've been force pushing like there has been, been going out of fashion. So um, I tell you what, though, I think that's probably something good to to say. Everyone does it. It's yeah. Good. Yeah, I haven't done it with Git recently. I've done it with CloudFormation, though. My God, you can fuck that shit up really easily. Yeah, that's, um, that's painful, though. Yeah, and then you just have to you have to sit there for 45 minutes while the stupid thing decides that it can't delete itself. Um, and then you have to force delete it. And it's, it's really painful. Don't you get into similar... I mean, I know Formation is obviously the, the orchestration layer, but uh, CloudFront, is that one of the, the main culprits or... It hasn't been for us it, because we, we're still in development for this particular project. Wow. Uh, the particular difficulty has been adding required fields to GraphQL schemas when there's already data in the database. It fucking it freaks right out. But the issue we had was that I deleted the, the data that it was bitching about, forgetting that it had uh, associations. So then it was like, oh, I can't find this. I can't find the associated data just having a complete meltdown. You're just too strict as a developer, James. You need to let go of the flow. You know, you need to drop the schemas. You know, you need to just no. You can't do. You can't do that. No, no, can't do it. Wait, wait hang on. I've just described MongoDB. <laughs> 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 Got to be strictly typed in all things. Which is a nice way to lead into our topics for this episode seven. Being strict. Yes. <laughs> as a as a parent, as a parent and a developer. Oh. God damn it. It's almost like we, we have a plan for these episodes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we don't. No, not at all. But parenting and developing is, well, we talked about this briefly last time, didn't we? It's, it, that is some hard, some hard shit. Some hard yeah, shit. it but, really is. You're yeah. just constantly trying to please everybody and pleasing nobody at the same time. Yes, that, you just pretty much described my life. Thanks, thanks there, dude. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just going to go have a bit of an introspective. <laughs> um, but we're also going to talk about, because we kind of have to, because it's now breathing down the arse end of July, we're talking about our six-month check-in, because back in January, we said, and it's recorded for all posterity, we, we, we said that uh, in, in 2019, we would uh, try to push ourselves towards some goals. We did. We had, I, I gave myself 10 insurmountable uh, tasks. Yeah. One I, of them would have been difficult in a year, I think. I gave myself 10. I was quite intimidated. I was like, right, okay, I need to step up. And so I, yeah. I, I did a, a kind of shameful post-edit to mine, which was like, yeah, okay, I'm doing this too, and I'll do six. Because <laughs> that's what I can think of. But Christ, I do 10. Yeah. I'm going to say a bit off more than I, I could chew. But I, 
I think I've done pretty well so far this year. Hmm. Okay, okay. Well, that will come soon. But for now, let's kick off our new super sexy smart template for our episodes that we debuted in episode six with our Salted Bites News Blitz. Coming at you live and with big tech energy. The Salted Bites News Blitz. An Amazon employee has made an AI-powered cat flap to stop his cat from bringing home dead animals. James, uh, you I need know, this. You need this, don't you, in your yeah. life? Yeah, we were just talking about this. My cats bring in so many mice. It's, it's bordering on awful. <laughs> I, I just don't like it. They brought one in the other day and it was alive. And then you go outside and they've eaten everything except the stomach. It's pretty oh. rough. It's pretty rough. And they're so fucking proud of it. They're like, oh, look what I brought you. Look what I brought you. I'm like, get that shit away from me. Do you not feel guilty that you're not more accepting and sort of praising of these wonderful gifts? You're Absolutely and- not. Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, what you can do is you could um, <laughs> you could fit an AI-powered cat flap to your door, James. And I might have to do this. You might have to. Well, this particular, uh, this dude called Ben Ham basically fixed up a camera above the cat flap and used machine vision algorithms to determine whether the cat, who, by the way, I think the cat is called Metric. Nice. I mean, dude, it's fantastic. Um, Whether Metric has something in his mouth. That's so good. I'm going to try this. So if if the ML algorithm said, yes, the cat does have something in his mouth, the cat flap would lock for 15 minutes and Ham gets a text message. That's so good. I've got to do it. And my favorite part of the entire article, whenever this happens, the system also sends a donation to a bird charity. <laughs> I mean, that's fan- pretty yeah. goddamn amazing. amazing. Anyway, that's our first um, Salt News Blitz. On, on, that, on that subject, so we've got three cats. Two of them are fat fuckers, and one of them is a tiny cat, really skinny. So we had to buy these chipped cat flaps. We just dropped 300 quid on cat feeders. Say what? Yeah, they're 100 quid each. Well, they're 70 quid each, and then you've got to spend 30 quid on fucking rechargeable batteries for them. You have lost me seriously here. You've spent 300 quid on, on cat chipped cat feeder things. They're quite cool. They look like spaceships. And like, so they got a little like a white ring thing above them. They stick their head in and the cat, the feeder opens. Basically stop the fat ones from eating the skinny ones food. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's unreal. Okay. Uh, Okay. Well, maybe you need to, I mean, I bet that's all proprietary lockdown shit. But what you need to do is you need to hack that. You've already got all the hardware. Yeah. I did look into um, being able to... uh, write my own cat flap because they're like a fucking 160 quid or something. Um, but the RFID chip readers don't seem to read the the fre- frequency of those the chips in, inside cats. Oh, uh, not like not the ones you can buy main like mainstream. Dang, I'm sure yeah. you could do it if you were really motivated, but I wasn't that motivated. RFID readers are funny bastards. Um, yeah. Next one is from our favorites, The Register. So, dude brings his MacBook Pro in saying that uh, the screen's bust. To what, the Apple Store, right? To the Apple Store, yeah. To the, the Genie Eye. Is that what they're called? Genie Eye? What? The Genius Bar? Yeah, the Genius Bar. Those people. Um, and it goes backwards and forwards. It gets sent off. Prior to that, he'd already brought the same MacBook Pro in three times to have the logic board replaced and all this nonsense, classic Apple bullshit. Um, and after weeks and close to $10,000 worth of repairs, uh, one of the members of staff took a really close look at the screen and realized that the screen brightness was down. <laughs> <laughs> And it had been working the whole time. And because supposedly because his machine had crashed when the screen was down. Um, so a bit of context, he had he would turn his screen down because he would use a separate monitor. Um, and he didn't want the, the distraction. So he turned his screen basically off. 
and because it crashed in that state when it restarted, it restarted with its uh, screen brightness all the way down. Hence, it looked like the screen wasn't working. And so, yeah, weeks and weeks of fixes and ten thousand dollars worth of repairs, only to find that there was nothing wrong with it in the first place. Brilliant. Yeah, Gen- like genius in the looser sense of the word. Ouch! Shut up. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, that's 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 pretty. I just love that story. I but it, it it's it does really does like highlight throwaway culture we live in, like somebody could have checked like properly and they clearly didn't if they dropped 10 grand so that's like three brand new macbook pros they could just give them a new one yeah yeah they could have done but yeah you're right though it um it did i mean yeah they got there in the end give them credit but um (laughs) what a journey yeah wow what a journey and you gotta wonder how much money the guy lost in like what if he didn't have a second computer he was a photographer. What can you imagine how much uh, business he lost? That is a very good point. It's a very good point. And also, like on the one hand, Apple is a company renowned for like engineering. If you put two different iPods, sorry, not iPods, sorry, earpods into a charging case, like you accidentally mix up one of your earpods with the mm. you put them into the same wireless charging case because they look identical. If they're of a different generation, uh, the charging case picks it up and sends you a message saying, no, you, you, you fucked up something. That's pretty cool. There you go. I mean, how, how much engineering, how much software development, how much testing went into just that one edge case where somebody would accidentally put two different yeah. Then And yet, over in exhibit A here, we <laughs> <laughs> the screen brightness being all the way down as yeah. £10,000 worth of... I mean, that figure, I, I, I wonder, you know... It, it, yeah, loose. Even if it's a thousand dollars, though, like even if it was a hundred dollars, that's ridiculous. Exactly. No, um, awesome. Yeah, dummies. Last item on our salted bites news blitz is, oh uh, well, it wouldn't be a salted bites episode if we didn't dick on Microsoft. <laughs> I mean, come on. So. This this is a this is a real howler from Microsoft. So if you've ever bought an ebook from Microsoft, I don't know why you would have done this or what you were smoking, but they are basically shutting down their ebook store. And the thing is, they're compensating people with like a refund and credits and stuff like that. But it's an interesting story because I think it highlights one of the biggest issues in not owning physical copies of the media of the media that you buy, and that is controlled by DRMs, digital rights management software is that at a drop of a hat, whoever you bought that from, can say, yeah, that's not yours anymore. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, you bought this thing. You thought you owned that for life. You don't own that for life if you bought it, you know, via an ebook store that comes with DRM attached. And I think people don't don't always don't always pay attention to that or don't always recognize that. And I think that's a very hmm, very troubling thing. Yeah, it's not really shouted about though, is it? But I bet you a lot of people who have Kindles don't probably don't even know what DRM is. No, that's it. They just don't. They just think I want to buy the latest uh, <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey, or whatever. <laughs> and you know, download to my ebook because I'm not I'm not reading a paper copy of that in public on the tube. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, they're they're reading it on their. Do you know? I can't think of any of. A Zoom or something. Can you could you read ebooks on a Zoom? No, that was a music. What's a Zoom? What's a Zoom? Oh, my sweet summer child. Um, I'll show you later. Cool. Uh, yeah, I I think this 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 makes it into our news bits because it's incredibly interesting in terms of this is happening for a service that was launched only two years ago. So, if you buy something with DRM attached, be aware these services. Modern day offerings, even from companies as big as Microsoft, are not very long lived. No, and ebooks aren't necessarily that much cheaper. I'd much rather have a paper copy. That is an entirely separate argument, which <laughs> which which makes my blood boil. Anyway, James, let's move on. Let's. Did you see that GitHub went down today? Oh no, I didn't. Yeah. No way. Yeah, I tried to. I was trying to access a pull request and uh, got a five hundred, 
and they're saying that they're having all sorts of issues with uh, most of their services. I don't know what the cause was, but it seems to be working again now. Yeah, but this 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 happened seven months ago, and that's why, which we'll talk about shortly, our six month uh, catch up. <laughs> yeah. Well, to look at alternatives to third-party distributed version control systems because GitHub, Bitbucket, yeah, they're fine when they work. Bitbucket's the worst, though. Like, granted, GitHub went down seven months ago. Bitbucket gets down once a week. <laughs> it's, so, it's so bad. Oh, my God. Is it any less fragile, though, hosting it yourself on GitLab? Or you can tell me. Well, not necessarily because, yeah, sure, your own EC2 server can, can spin down. You can forget to renew your credit card. And it <laughs> 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 just goes crashing into oblivion. But no, you know, realistically, though, you're in control of your own destiny. And I suppose it's your fault. Yeah. If it goes down, you're to blame. On the other hand, you can fix it. Yeah, true. You've been sensible about the architecture. Like, if you're version control system is important enough to be powering your uh, your CI runner, for example, which is no doubt taking a copy of the code base you pushed or running tests based on the pull request you've generated. If all of that, you know, your version control system is therefore at the heart of what you're doing as a company or as a developer to get your code from A to B in a tested format that can then be deployed. If, if your version control system is um, so central to that, then your provider, your third-party provider, like GitHub or Bitbucket, if they're down, you're in trouble. So if it's that important to you, you are duty-bound, I think, as a solutions architect or as a, as a developer to just investigate alternatives that get you out of that situation. Sure. Yeah, that's fair enough. I agree. It's easy that, I, I don't know, it's easier. It's easy if you don't work for an agency, I think. Agencies are often... Embed with uh, embedded in a certain provider, and so like if I suggested that we moved away from Bitbucket, I would be laughed out of the office. I imagine because everything is in Bitbucket. Yeah, and that that is a technical. Well, it's not a technical debt, but then it is. You do you have to then say, well, we bought into this, and therefore the minute Bitbucket goes down, we can't complain. We can just say, oh well, we made this choice. We kind yeah. of this choice but that never that never happens though does it no of course not of course not. how have james and chris been getting on with their 2019 goals let's find out what the lazy fuckers have been up to should we talk about our six monthly goals like um so th i guess what we wanted to do is to we spoke about in january we spoke about the things we wanted to learn in 2019 and we want to come in in a six-month checkup to see how we've been getting on against those goals and, <laughs> yeah, seeing how we're doing, you know, on the progress and the percentage completion. <laughs> After all, James, you're a developer. What was your estimate? How are we performing on our burndown chart on your things to learn in 2019? My velocity is pretty low. <laughs> oh, agile jokes. Um yeah, George, should I go first? Well, you're going to fucking have to, dude. You've got 10. Yeah. So, <laughs> I may have bitten off more than I could chew. But I don't I, I don't actually think I'm doing too badly, to be honest. I haven't necessarily stuck to my list, but I've definitely been advancing in other areas. Uh, so I'm going to pick off a couple of these that I've either started or adjusted to my current workflow. Um, so number seven on my list was Advanced Vim. Beginning of the year, I all I would use is Terminal Vim. And I don't dislike Terminal Vim now, but at work and in my my uh, own projects, I only really write TypeScript. Uh, and VS Code TypeScript support is just so much better than Vim, like leaps and bounds better. So I have moved 100% now to VS Code don't generally open terminal vim unless i'm saving a uh doing a git merge that's just because it's my default editor so yeah a bit of a shame that i do really love vim i do love being in terminal but you've got to use the tools that you're most comfortable with for what you're doing so i might move back when it gets better um but for the time being vs code is pretty badass it is isn't it there's there's yeah. no argument 
using, I mean, VS Code, you used the word <laughs> velocity about in an agile sense. VS Code has a lot of, uh, a lot of velocity behind it at, at the minute. It's, uh, I mean, it's a Microsoft product and the first one I would probably say in a billion years that I think is actually just shit hot and amazing and has so much community involvement and so yeah. many features. It's unreal. Like I actually use the live code sharing thing. You know? I use it every week with my mentor, with Did my mentee. Yeah, it's great. Every week we have to turn video, we do a Google Hangouts. We have to turn the video off because it gets a bit laggy otherwise. But uh, yeah, every week we do we do live share. It's amazing. I think it's fair to say that on your 2019 stuff to achieve, you didn't have like do do mentoring. Like, no, I didn't. It just so I just just happened to stumble upon Coding Coach on Twitter. I was like, that's pretty pretty cool. Um, yeah, and to be honest, I think you get a fucking pass from most of the stuff on your list by actually. But you, you've gotten involved with something that not only benefits you but actually gives like you know the offers assistance to somebody that's more junior junior in in, in their career. Which fuck me, I think that actually gives you a pass on most of the stuff that you haven't had time to uh, to to follow up on. Yeah, it's it's good. It's really nice. Definitely, I've definitely learned a lot from doing it as well. It's not just. It definitely hasn't been a one way one way stream of uh, of learning. I've learned a lot from from doing it. It's been really nice. What else in your 2019 hit list are you uh, proud or not so proud of achieving? Uh, so public speaking um, is is going to happen. I'm booked in to do a meetup in September. So whether I get on well or not, we'll find out. But again, it's it's talking about Amplify. So hopefully it should be it should be fine. Um, I seem to be writing a lot about Amplify and talking a lot about Amplify at the moment. So listen to our previous podcast to hear all about it. Do it. Listen. Do it. And also, now I will probably be able to be there. Oh, nice. So that's Do it. my yeah no definitely gonna rock on over there and support James from the from the back row, hollering. <laughs> Can't wait. What about service workers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, and probably with my last one that I will cover today was containerization, and I haven't necessarily been I haven't necessarily got to containers yet. Uh, but I've been doing a lot more of the the orchestration side of uh, creating stacks through CloudFormation. That's been really interesting. It, it's a bit of a minefield, um, but it does. It's really nice having that repeatable stack um, generated for you. And I mean, as I said before, Amplify gives you that base CloudFormation stack, but you can then go in and add to it yourself. Um, so containers will will happen this year. Uh, but I haven't got to them yet. I did take a month off from learning anything to write an app. It's an app I've been planning for years and years, kind of what's something I wanted to do since I started being a developer. I've started probably 10 times, but this time I was like, right, I take a month off. So I've taken, I've decided to take July off, and then any any free time I have, I've just been writing this app. And I've gotten surprisingly far. I think I'll, I'll probably finish the majority of it by the end of the month, so. Awesome, was this in Amplify, right? This is, yeah, React Native app uh, built with Expo and and Amplify for analog film photographers to be able to log their, their film and the frames they take. Should be pretty cool. So once it's finished and in the app stores, I, uh, I will be shouting about it. Awesome, that sounds fucking cool. Is it like, I, I guess, if you've started and stopped and started and stopped, like I, m many developers, I think have trodden a similar path. Yeah, has the amplifier has let you off the leash, so to speak, and uh, it, or do you just feel comfortable in that tool chain? So, I so a bit of both. I think I think like Amplify does make it really easy to to do everything I needed to do. Uh, so it's like pulling in the use of S3 for storage and creating a GraphQL API um, and things like uh, authentication. Um, but I think not having a, not having this app is actually hindering my photography because I was using a notebook before, but then sometimes I'd forget the notebook or 
not write things down. Um, and because I've been through so many iterations with the notebook, I know exactly what I need to be able to capture and what, what data I need to surface to streamline my, my daily photography. So right. hopefully it should be, it should aid in my daily photography and hopefully help other people if they, if they want, because film photography is definitely coming back. Uh, and I'm really, I'm super geeky about like all the information surrounding each frame. Um, so being able to capture that in an app would uh, be really great. And then eventually the idea will be to create a desktop app as well. Excellent. Well, I'm going to be waiting for the, uh, the outcome of this with, uh, with great anticipation, James. No, I'm looking forward to seeing this. Great. I'll let you know. I will shout about it. Don't you worry. Oh, you better, you better. Awesome. Cool. How about you then? Oh, damn. I thought we were going to just blaze past. Uh, <laughs> You're not going to get off that easily. Oh, dang it. Okay, fine. All right. Well, uh, so I had six, uh, a nice even number of things to, uh, to, to, to be thinking about in 2019. And I'm pleased to say, I think I can say that I've done uh, three out of six. Oh, what? 50%. No, Before I'm, this, you were like, meh, 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 I haven't done any of them. And then you fucking come out and say you've done 50%. Yeah, do you know why, though? Because two out of the four are just soft as fuck and not really. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Okay, so I think um, the, uh, the, the thing I'm most proud of this year in terms of a pure technical achievement is continuous integration. So... I said I wanted to do more in this space. I, uh, I, I started exploring it in like November last year. And I said for 2019, I want, I've always thought this was cool. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I've seen innumerable blog posts, Twitter, you know, snapshots, people doing awesome shit with continuous integration. And I'm pleased to say my, in my most recent um, uh, contract I was involved with, I was able. I had the opportunity to introduce a continuous integration paradigm into the into the dev process they were running there, and it's fu it's fucking cool. I've got to say, it really is. It build it builds on the experiments I did earlier in the year, and when I took the contract, I said to the guys, "Oh, by the way, hey, I've got a lot. Of, you know, I've got a lot of uh, thoughts and a lot of uh, ideas in this space. You're not doing it currently. Maybe we can make this happen." And they were very interested in that. Nice. So yeah, we we were able to make beautiful music together. <laughs> uh, no, it was really cool. So uh, these guys are running, uh, yeah, really, really sort of balls deep Meteor framework. You know, this is right at the edge of what you should be using Meteor for, and after which you should not be using it. But <laughs> they're, they're using Meteor, and they've got a really extensive test framework mm. one of the key goals as part of introducing a continuous integration uh, setup was to be able to run these tests not on the developer's device uh, machine they're developing on but to have these run automatically whenever a pull request is generated or you know you know on a couple of different frameworks basically whenever you generate a pull request or whenever you move code from one place to another run those tests to make sure we are not you know, regressing and fucking anything up. So, um, yeah, I was able to do this, and it's up there now. It's using um, AWS Code Build. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's cool. So we've got Bitbucket. You generate the pull request in Bitbucket. That is uh, that sends a webhook off to uh, to to Code Deploy. Sorry, not Code Deploy. Code Build. Fucking hell, AWS. Get your shit together. Stop <laughs> naming your stuff like with slight differences. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. So that triggers a, a code build job, which then spins up a Docker container that we've uh, kind of provisioned to be ready to run a Meteor application and be able to run our tests correctly. And yeah, basically it just spins up a Meteor application, runs those tests and reports back to the pull request effectively. Nice. In Bitbucket with a little tick saying tests passed. Test Very cool. Yeah. What's the testing framework that you're using for Meteor? A fork of a uh, mocker. Um, test runner that was made by a group called Practical Meteor or something. Mm. That got subsumed into what is now the official Meteor Mocker test runner. But this is actually a fork of that because our Meteor version is slightly out of sync. Okay. 
So we can use that to test on our machines locally. Everything's fine. It's all good. As soon as you throw that up into a uh, headless environment or a continuous integration runner, everything goes to shit. Meteor is a very precious, fragile little flower that needs coercing and cajoling to make do you know what you want. And in the CI environment, I had to just use a completely different package to run there. But for Meteor, it was really, really tricky to find the right package and combination of reporting parameters that would get us to where we needed to be. But I fucking did it, and I'm really pleased. Nice. Good work. Thank you. Uh, last two are the last two things. Like the other two, like the last two um, things that I said I would do is like find balance and working remotely. And yeah, I've done that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seem pretty chilled. Much more chilled than I have ever been. And uh, Spain is fantastic. I think remote working is really, really hard. Like harder than anybody will ever tell you. Like you try and do it, it's so difficult. You're trying to collaborate with somebody and they're sitting in a cafe and their microphone is just blaring at you and you're trying to understand what they mean by these wireframes that they've sent you. And <laughs> you just can't hear them. It's like, yeah. I do want to collaborate with you, but you're making it very difficult right now. Remote working is a real challenge. On the other hand, it can work fantastically. So you really need to kind of take the, uh, to, to roll with the punches on that to some degree. In terms of the feeling of slight isolation as well, you know, is everybody just, oh my God, what does everybody think of me? I, I'm not there. Like, yeah, well, that's that's the hardest thing. This is your point, and I really feel, I'm, you know, I feel it now. Um, it's a re and it's a really, really interesting one. But I think the the the, the key thing really for me, like in, in 2019, was very much just yeah. Let's say let's find balance. Let's take take on remote working and see how it goes. And I think as my six month update. It's going great. Perfect. Good work. Boom. Nice. Look at that. We're not complete failures. Hey. Oh. On the uh, on the flip side, I think we're smashing it. To be honest. It's a lovely thing to say, James. Thank you very much. We'll see how we're doing it. Twelve months could all go to <laughs> shit from now. We've still got oh, yeah. plenty of time. A lot of time to fail. Yes. Oh. The biggest productivity hack for developers is getting enough sleep. So, look, we, we talked about this very briefly, and to be honest, we could leave it there. We could say it's very, very, very hard. And we could leave it there, but I don't think we should. I think we should explore this a little bit further. Back to being parents and developers. It's it a constant divide of time and energy. It's exhausting, if I'm entirely honest. I think, yeah, that's the biggest, you mentioned in the previous episode that um, there was somebody who went, who was a developer and then became a parent and continued to be a developer afterwards. And they had the feedback that something like, um, I didn't realize how hard this was. Yeah. And that's kind of it, isn't it? That's the, um, in terms of it being hard, I mean, let's, maybe let's just explore why it's hard just to just to really drill down on this, because maybe this gives some insight to people who are developers but aren't parents, and maybe this maybe will give some reassurance to people who are parents and developers, and it's not just you, don't worry. <laughs> um, so the first thing is the tiredness, right? Is the, is the, uh, the demands that are made upon your, just the, the level of energy you have during the day. If you have 100 units of energy to spend in the day, yeah. What you feel as a parent is you're actually approaching that day and you get a minus 30 points of energy just for the fact that you're a parent. <laughs> <laughs> so that's already not a good start. No. And then I don't I mean I don't know what it's like for you guys cuz your kids are a little bit older than mine but my kids will still come into our room most nights. Uh, and she's pretty good when she does come in. Like she'll wake up and she'll just be like, "Mama or Daddy," we'll go and pick her up and bring her into our bed, and she'll fall asleep pretty quickly. But three people in a double bed is—it's not a lot of space, uh, and I don't sleep that well anyway. So it means that the re remainder of the evening is the remainder of the night is uh, usually pretty poor quality sleep. So I wake up like on a minus fifty points rather than minus thirty. Um, yeah, so then you've got 50 energy points to expend 
throughout the day. And if it's your day to do the drop off at nursery, Jesus Christ, you are you're stuffed. That's it. That's the end of the day. You might as well take another ten off there, and then you're you're at forty. Yeah, you should be approaching that day with a hundred. And I mean, that's that's not a winning proposition, is it? You no, I was I was at thirty this morning. Gosh, he was being a fucking nightmare. Oh my god! Yeah, bless her. She's a toddler though. She didn't know any better. No, sure. It's not the no, no, not none, none of this. I think is is saying you know, oh my gosh, it's it's the children's fault. Of course, it's it's more that that this is a situation. This this is how our lives have unfolded. How do we make the best? How do we approach uh, being being a parent and being a developer with other than you know. Let, People can say, oh, well, you've just got to kind of, you know, have a cup of coffee and blitz. Jesus Christ, one of my, who is it said that to me? Somebody said that to me. Who is it? They were a parent as well. Mm. And they were the owner of the agency I worked at. And they said, oh, well, you just take your Pro Plus and you carry on. Like, no. Fuck, fuck, fuck that mentality to the nth degree. But, I mean, okay, fair enough. In the last episode, I made a joke about being caffeinated up to your eyeballs. But... I get to make that joke. <laughs> um, I think, I think the tricky thing is that just saying, okay, well, takes you know, take substances and you feel better is not necessarily the best way to approach life. And secondly, like it has this mentality that it's your problem to deal with and don't bring that shit to the office. Mm. And that I think is an undercurrent of this subject that if you don't bring your A game then all of your other colleagues that don't have kids are performing at X level and you're performing at what? Where did we end up just now? Minus like, 60? What? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Not a good place. So, you, I mean, are you feel? I mean, I'm, so I'm not putting you on this, but what, what I'm saying is, do you, have you felt coming into work sometimes that you feel like, how the, how the hell am I going to be productive today? Oh, of course. Like some nights you wake up, you've had, like for me, because I said I, I I don't sleep well anyway. So sometimes I come into work and I've had like two hours sleep. I'm just a dribbling mess. I can't hold a conversation. I can't type on the best of days. So when I've had no sleep, I'm literally like smashing my face on the keyboard. Um, basically useless. Um, but nobody can have an A game every day. And I think as soon as you realise that, then it gets a little bit easier. And the other day, when you are having a good day, you're probably going to be smashing it more than you would like. Like you have that much more of an impetus because you like you you really feel the buzz when you're having a good day. Like when when your kid sleeps through for the first time, you're just like, "Fuck me! I could I can take on the whole fucking world. I've had a whole night's sleep." <laughs> um, and then it doesn't last, and then the next night they sleep even less than they ever have done before, and you wake up the day afterwards a wreck again. But good days are really good that one moment that moment in the sun that moment of glory exactly um sleep's definitely a different a difficult one but that's I, I wouldn't say that's that's it there's plenty of plenty of other difficulties with being a parent and a developer no sure i mean there's the mental load right you've got to split your the, the fucks you give i like to get to say so like <laughs> Again, you've got a level of energy that you bring into the day, right? And we've yeah. said it's for a given value of 100. Let's say that you also, for a given value, you have, you know, 10 fucks to spend in a day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you could already be entering your working day at a pretty low number of fucks to give because it's all related, isn't it? Yeah. If you've woken up much earlier than you wanted to because you've had a broken night, your fucks to give budget is not 10 by any stretch of the imagination. Absolutely not. And during a working day, it's, it's actually our industry is one of the few industries where in theory, anyway, you could maybe go into work, headphones on, head down, tappy, 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 code, code, code. You could in theory, anyway, go through the day without anybody bothering you or, you know, you know, like there being a, uh, a kind of infringement on you just sitting down and doing something and not being disturbed or being asked to do anything more than go from A to B. Yeah, definitely. I will sometimes 
put my headphones on with no music on just so people don't come and talk to me. Nice. Well, that's, that's it. That, it really that, works. That does. It, it creates your the space that you need, doesn't it? That, yeah. So I, I, am, I, I am in this space. And that's fantastic. Lots of industries, yeah, you're not going to get a fucking chance to do that. Like uh, every single publishing company I've ever worked in. Mm. Never, I could never wear headphones and just do some work because then the very nature of the work that it's, uh, you end up doing does involve talking to people, whether it's a call coming in, whether it's a call going out. Yes. People who work in an environment that's very much phone-based, you know, you need to call this person and do this thing. How could you do that job and wear headphones all day? Yeah. I think we do have a bit of a privilege in this industry, which is that uh, we're expected to do very cerebral work. And therefore, as a developer, your employer should give you the fucking opportunity to do that cerebral work and, and let you do that. If they fill your day with meetings, if they fill your day with, um, you know, we're going to do all of these things that are not coding. Well, hey, that's their prerogative. They're your employer, I guess. Yeah. Does it mean you write good code? I don't know, <laughs> maybe, but it doesn't necessarily lend itself well to that kind of deep work where you're fully engaging your brain into solving the problems you've been tasked with. I would contend. And so, as a parent, you're coming in with you, you're coming in, and your the expectation is that you could do the deep work. You, Chris, you you develop, you you develop now. Make make code, make code. code. <laughs> And, um, you know, I'm bl blinking through my monitor going, I wrote this. <laughs> what does it mean? Who did that? Me? Like, yeah. it's, it was me. I don't think this was me. And no, we, we can joke about it, but I think it's a real, it, it's something It's something that's real. And in a, in a situation where you're being paid to use your brain, the efficiency of your brain <laughs> is, a is a reasonably interesting subject to, to talk yeah. about. Something I really I find difficult is that I I really really love programming. Uh, it's my hobby. It's not just my job. So I kind of want to be doing it all the time. Yeah. But at the same time, I love my family and I want to be spending as much time with them as possible. So it's it's figuring out that that divide where I'm feeling satisfied with the work I'm with the programming I'm doing, but also getting enough time to spend with my family and not feeling like I'm neglecting the time i have because obviously kids are only young once and you don't want to be there in five years time thinking fuck why was i sitting in my room by myself programming when i could have been spending time with my kid that's a really really tough one how do you do that because you've just said that you're you've got your work-life balance pretty nailed yeah i think um i've just had to to kind of sacrifice stuff kind of get the keys to the kingdom when you become a developer you you suddenly have the ability to to orchestrate and create wonderful amazing things like this thing can do this thing can make a difference to somebody's life or this uh, this platform you're working on can do something really powerful or really cool our brains are constantly coming up with ideas i bet you can't turn i can't fucking turn it off no i'm in the shower and i go Jesus Christ, you know what? Do you know what? Actually, we could do this if we just combined this and this. And I, Yeah. I have a waterproof notebook in the bath. I sit because I that, like I use the bath. I have a bath to relax, but I can't relax. So I have, to, I have a waterproof notebook where I will write things down that's awesome. so I don't forget them. <laughs> that's really cool. No, that's Otherwise, it will just stay in your brain. You can't relax, right? Yeah, exactly. Dude, that's awesome. That's a really good. Cool, there you go. That's that's a fantastic way to to yeah get that out of your head and onto the notebook so you can relax. But that's just it. We you you're given the ability to solve all these problems, and as developers, that's what we are problem solvers, right? We um and I think my brain anyway is constantly humming with okay, well, hang on a minute. With this given situation, if all we did was add this, then this is the upside, and that's constantly going on. And I think with finding balance i've basically just had to say to part of my brain anyway just just fuck off mm. you kind of have to be a bit more picky yeah and just say well okay i'll shelve that one 
and you know let, let's come back to it later but effectively you know you are spending it you know you, you come into your your day with a certain amount of energy a certain amount of fucks to give and also a certain amount of inspiration right like yeah a certain amount of inspiration points maybe you get i don't know three a day or something and spending those on like my kids really enjoy when i make up really stupid stories to tell them like fantastical wonderful weird ass stories that come out of nowhere that you could probably imagine a dr sayers book being about or something i can't do that like on demand yeah you know i i probably have a certain it probably is relating to the amount of energy and the amount of fucks to give i have but, <laughs> but you know if there's some energy and if there are some fucks to give left at the end of the day then maybe i get an inspiration point yeah already i'm building an algorithm for this in my head right <laughs> then I can make up a stupid story for them. Like, yeah. I might spend my inspiration point on that. This sounds really stupid, but I don't know. I, I can't think of any other way to quantify it. And It makes sense. It makes sense to me. Maybe it makes sense to other, other parents or developers. So for me, I haven't quite figured out the, the balance, I don't think. Uh, I can't help but sit there sometimes, and I'm, I'm playing with Rowan, and I can't get the programming problems out of my head. And it drives me crazy because I'm like, I shouldn't be thinking about this now. I should be yeah. having a great time with my kid. Right. So I, I find now that I will so that I can come home and not worry about doing any doing any work and spend time with my wife and my kid. I will get up at a ridiculous time in the morning so that I can do some programming before I go to work so that I have my evenings and my weekends completely free. Mm. And that at the moment is is keeping me sated but we'll uh we'll see how maintainable that is mm, indeed indeed and it's all that's the thing it's all very personal to you and your family and how and how things are how things go for you how, how you make it work with the, the pressures you have as well because not not everybody has the same the same pressures or the same the same familial situation or the same work pressures Exactly. Working from home, I think, is a definite way to kind of bring those universes too close together, and you have to be very strict about it. Mm. I think we talked about working with Lucian. We did. He seems to have a good. He seems to have it pretty nailed. Yeah, I think yeah. It has a lot to do with company as well. It seems to be very well, very well organised as a remote working company. Mm. No, definitely. No, no, that's. Yeah, that company, I think, was an awesome one to join just because they had the philosophy of it, right? And I think I said on that episode, like, God, if you were going to join a remote working company, I mean, if they had half of their shit together as well as uh, Bellina do, then you're, you're winning. I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think one one kind of thing, which is difficult for me to talk about as well, but like um, the whole reason for moving to, to Spain and wanting to do things differently, wanting to see, seek balance as well was kind of like... Uh, like a grieving thing for when my my mother died last year that's like really really hard for me to talk about really mm. process but like it makes it make, does make me think at times like how many other developers are also going through sort of cataclysmic events in 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 their lives that are cascading through and like how do you show up it's, you know how do you show up to work after this it's, it's not necessarily just about being a developer but i some, some part of me thinks well if your job was to take, you know, something from place A to place B, and that that was what you that was what you do, then okay, you can do that, and you can do it regardless not regardless of your mental state, but your mental state has less impact on it. But your mental state as a developer, like if you're trying to work out why your higher order components are not sitting well together, and you've got you know six different layers of abstractions and different APIs firing. You've got a whole a whole universe of stuff for your code in your brain. And if your brain is already saturated with emotion, how do you yeah. How do you I don't I, I don't think you can, personally. I think I don't know. I think you're doing yourself a disservice if uh if yeah. Obviously it's different for everybody. Some people might thrive in a situation where they're back at work and that's kind of what they need, but Mm, like a distraction, right? So you say, yeah. my, my brain is now occupied over here, so it doesn't have to think about this painful thing over here. Yeah. When my mum passed away, I busied myself with organising everything mm. just for, for the distraction. And so some people might be able to distract themselves with work, but something that requires such 
deep like a deep knowledge of the whole of what you're working on i would i think i would really really struggle um but everybody's different aren't they indeed indeed no sure well look we've, we've already developed like if we were playing dungeons and dragons right we were already developing a character score sheet for the the, the energy points for the number of fucks to give for the inspiration there's also like a level of emotional like you know tolerance here some people i don't know i'm not going to give points to this because i have no idea how to measure this kind of shit but yeah you know there's there's, there's no way of doing that but uh i kind of like how we painted a painted a picture and tried to quantify <laughs> like the 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 operating operating parameters of a developer parent that's a that's a blog post right there isn't that it? is <laughs> and I think being a developer, like being a developer, generally lends itself to being. It's a good job, like. Oh yeah. It's generally very well paid. That gives you opportunities that some people might not be able to offer their children, which I think is is amazing. Um. So I don't know. The stress of being a developer and a parent is obviously quite high, um, as I'm sure it is for being a parent and any other job really mm. uh, but you do have that added bonus of of it being a good job and being able to provide for your family and your kids and hopefully it's something that your kids will be proud of like mm. they'll be like in my head like my I like I kind of dream of rowing going into work and telling her friends that her dad that writes software and that she's really proud of that and like hopefully hopefully she is if she's not she that's fine, but I'll be pretty upset. <laughs> no, that's awesome. No, I think I, I am pretty damn sure that, uh, that she would. Absolutely. We'll see. She's too young at the moment. Never too young to start. We've got to go get a uh, Raspberry Pi and some Python going. And uh, to, to be honest, even if she just hits the keyboard and just outputs a, a string of garbage, it's probably better than, than my Python that I write. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So we're already ahead. Nice. Should we wrap that up? Definitely. That was a very good, very good section. I think. From cool. In developer and being a parent, and remember, you could, there's only so far you can bump your energy points with caffeine. Okay. Yes. Like monster energy drinks are a trap. What they'll do is they'll take your energy points from 50 to 55, and then they'll minus you. Okay. So yeah. Into this. Don't go down that path. I'm off them now. I'm done. Used to love them. Now, that's a no go. Yeah, definitely. No, same. No, same. I haven't. I've had an energy drink since I can't actually remember. That is, it's at least a year and a half, maybe. Two oh years. wow, that's way longer than me. Things that make you go. Hmm. Should we do picks or hmm? <laughs> I regret the naming of this incredible. <laughs> James, tell me something that makes you go, hmm. Not hmm. James. Hmm. <laughs> so my my thing that makes me go, hmm, is the new Twitter UI. It is fucking bullshit. Oh no. Yeah, it's really bad. But I don't think it's been rolled out to everybody yet. It's really crap. I don't I really don't like it. This is the UI that is actually the same as mobile.twitter.com right yeah right okay. i think it's a bit i think it's a bit bullshit um i'm going to agree with you there it is a bit bullshit i think yeah that's the way i can describe it really not a fan no i'm not a fan although hang on twitter's like the poster child for let's use a pwa instead of the native app and yet like a hypocrite i use the native app yeah, and I don't know why. I'm still trying to work that out because Twitter's UI is, I mean, is very well honed. I mean, Christ, they've got enough fucking engineers working on it. So why is why is this not good? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I really don't like it. It's a shame. I've seen this. From, I've seen this from non-tech people I follow on Twitter as well. They're sort of saying that it's bullshit. So it's interesting that the reaction is not just you know you and I who work with web interfaces all day, but also from the general public yeah yeah pretty crappy 
had those pretty preferences. That's my my thing that makes you go, hmm. Yeah, not, not, nothing much else to say there, apart from, hmm. Yeah, not a fan. Okay. How about you? All right, I'm going to go deep on this one. So the thing that makes me go, hmm, is json.stringify. Now, you may think, oh, Christ almighty, Chris, really? <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I realized I read something the other day that I, I didn't realize that json.stringify actually takes parameters. And you're like, yeah, okay, so fucking what? Well, okay, so json.stringify, let's see, what you know, what does it do? It takes an object that you want to turn into JSON, which is fairly useful. You may want to be throwing that over to a, an API, or maybe you're returning it from your own API or something. So you've probably used json.stringify, I, I bet, in your day-to-day -day development work. So of course. Definitely, right? So, but did you know that json.stringify actually accepts parameters after the JavaScript object that you throw in there? Yes. You did? Yeah. So you then, do you not pass, like, is it no? And then, so you could normally pass two, and that gives you the spaces in your, like, how it formats the object? No. No? Am I wrong? No, no, no. You're not wrong at all. I did not know this, and I've been developing, I don't even know how many years I've been developing for, but I did not know this. And I think this is great because I, I haven't encountered a situation in which I needed to know this. Yeah. And therefore, I need to go and research it. I just happened upon this by chance. And the reason why I think that it makes me go, hmm, is because it's like, okay, great. There are still things in tools that I have used day in day out for umpteen billion years or however however old I am. I, I forget now. Old enough. Enough to know better. <laughs> but you know, something that I use all the time actually has these extra things that I never knew about. And I think that's really nice and really neat and really I like learning, you know, learning learning not yeah, I like learning new things, but learning new things about stuff I've always used feels a little bit revelationary and feels yeah, really good. I get that. And that's why it makes me go, hmm. Nice. That was quite a nice mix of uh, hmm things. That's why I think it's a perfect candidate. Perfect. Salted picks. A choice selection of useful shit. I love a pick. You know that? James, James. You <laughs> love a pick. I get too excited. Uh, it's it, well to be honest. This this is pretty cool. I like this as a salty pick because who doesn't love an npm package? Mm -hmm. You're trying to achieve something on a project. A project manager's breathing down your neck and says, "We need you to figure out a way of doing OCR in this app." And you're like, "I've never done optical character recognition." And while oh wait, hang on a minute, there's an npm package that just does it. Yeah, okay, boss, done. <laughs> that is ninety percent of my web dev career just summed up in. In yeah, that. of course. Lots of other clever people. Exactly. You're standing on the shoulders of giants whenever you make a web application, not least the, you know, from something like NPM, which is a veritable Aladdin's cave of functionality. You can add to your app for so little cost. But hang on. Hang on. So little cost in terms of ease of adding it to your app. But one thing you need to bear in mind is when you're adding you know, package upon package upon package to your JavaScript application is the footprint of your of your app is going to increase commensurately each time if you're not careful. Now, sure, you can do some cool things like code splitting and stuff like that, but bundlephobia.com is an excellent way to check out how big a, an NPM package will be when you add it as a dependency to your project. It's very cool. Which, that's pretty awesome. So, like... You can even upload a, um, a package.json file from your project you've already got going to see what the kind of footprint of your application might be. There are other ways to do this, but I basically, bundlephobia.com thing is just an excellent resource because it maps out very clearly what the you know what, what the implication of adding an npm package to your to your project will be, and it's excellent. I'd suggest go to go to the website, put in a package that you're considering adding to your uh, web application and see what the see what the footprint size is you may see that the package you're adding has a whole bunch of third-party dependencies itself that are adding to the bloat and so on and so forth indeed chris i'm gonna blow your tiny mind again yeah so you use vs code don't you Go on. <laughs> so there is a package called import costs 
import costs. Which basically does bundle phobia in VS Code. What? So you import a package and it will tell you the size of it and its gzip size. Stop it. It's incredible. And it makes you cry every time you import me uh, moments. Yeah. <laughs> that thing is a beast. Don't use it. Use date FNS. Ooh, that shit's date. amazing. Gives you modular imports, so you can just import the mod the functions you need. It's really nice. So date FNS is twenty three point sorry twenty nine point three minified. Okay, okay. And then moment. I'm sorry. I'm using bundle phobia, by the way. Yeah. That's what I preach, friends. Holy mother of God! Moment <laughs> is an order of magnitude. Okay, it is two hundred and thirty nine. <laughs> yeah. It's a beast. Sweet fucking taken. Uh, seriously, import cost. You'll love it. If you love Bundlephobia, granted, Bundlephobia has a great logo, um, but import cost is a fantastic extension. Awesome. Look, okay, well, look, now that you've basically hijacked my pick, why don't you do your pick now? Sure. I've got, I got a couple, obviously. So one of them is actually an NPM package as well. Uh, it's called React JSON View, uh, and it allows you. It's just a React component that takes a property of a JSON string, and it exp uh, displays it in a beautiful way with collapsible. The objects are collapsible. Um, it's just lush. It's really nice. We had we're I'm writing an application at the moment which has to show a load of JSON, and uh, this just makes it really, really easy and nice, and it displays it in a beautiful way and you can theme it and yeah it's really really great that is very nice this is this is more lots of developer experience kind of yeah yeah much more than uh, the user it's just it just makes it so easy to output json in a really nice way but fine this is the, yeah this is really nice that's an excellent thing uh and the second one is uh it's an app i think it's also a website it's called Boycott, like boycott. And it, you basically install the app and then you go through a set of questions of things that you want to avoid, like stuff that's made by companies that are owned by Trump or avoiding Nestle or chocolate that's made by child slaves. You input all these different things, then you can scan products that you're about to buy. And it'll give you a rundown of who owns the company, whether it, it meets any of these criteria. So you can then boycott these products. Nice. It's really excellent. Really, really good. Awesome. Okay, that's really good. So that's giving us kind of empowering you with... Uh, a bit more like, choice. Uh, in, in all the products that they wow, okay. That's, that's really... Hey, they have... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They have an API. <laughs> <laughs> it's really well, good. And, if, and you can actually do one where... Because a lot of these, like... Most of these com most companies are owned by like one of ten companies in the whole world, and so one of the options is to um, basically to avoid the, that that hidden mega company. So uh, you can see who like the, who the parent company is, and then if you decide whether you want to avoid them or not, it's really really good. Mm, excellent, no, that is awesome. Okay, and my final pick is a shameless plug. I'm afraid. I wrote an article today and published it today, and it's pretty great, if I do say so myself, um, about, so in a funny situation at the moment with a project I'm writing, that we have a main application that is completely locked down, all the APIs are locked down, uh, all the assets and everything are in non-public S3 buckets. And then there'll be separate applications that, we need to be authenticated. Need to be need to have access to these non-public S3 buckets, but they need to be unauthenticated. Oh, okay. So we want to avoid the the need to have to log in. And AWS offers the ability to have identity pools, and you can use federated identities uh, to give uh, unauthenticated access to a user. So you're still providing AWS with uh, temporary credentials and you can sign your requests for 
X, Y, and Z with these temporary credentials using the uh, Amazon Amazon service version four, basically like a, a signing service. And it gives you temporary access to these objects. It's really, really good. So I've written an article on that, okay, which I will post somewhere. Uh, but somebody has just pointed out from AWS, helpfully, that uh, Amplify actually does that. Like there's a package within Amplify that does it for you, whereas I've imp I've installed a separate package. Ah, now that's interesting. Okay, okay. So, so sorry, Karen. Literally, just that's fantastic. Not only that, okay, Amplify did something that you didn't know it did, which is, you know, fantastic. Amplify yeah. at all. But somebody from the community reached out and told you. Yeah, it's great. So I, I mean, I posted on Twitter about having just released this object, uh, this article, and a dude from from AWS wrote black and was like, "Great article. Yes, you don't need to install a separate package," which is really, really good knowledge. Oh, that's yeah, awesome stuff. Um, so read it. It's good. It's a good one. What's it published on? Uh, it's on Medium and on uh, the Practical Developer Dev Got Two. It. That's it. Dev, yes, that's the one I saw. Uh, but it is also on Medium. Awesome stuff. That's an excellent pitch, James. Thank you very much. And you, bundle phobia, love it. Even though you hijacked it, can't believe you did that. I wasn't hijacking. I was just spreading the wealth of my excellent knowledge of VS Code extensions. <laughs> anyway, um, boom. All right. That is, I think, an excellent episode. So do I. I have a feeling it might be rather long. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. It's all good. It's all good content, James. It's all good. It's all good. It's not us just rambling. Much. Anyway, should we say goodbye? Right. Who's going to say goodbye this time? <sighs> I suppose I will. <laughs> you hate? Do you hate doing it? No, I don't mind. See you later, everybody. Lovely to chat to you all, as always. Bye-bye. Bye. Remember, you can find articles, videos, and our latest podcasts at saltedbytes.rocks.